Speculation Station podcast with me, Will. And me, Tom. I'm the investigator, invigilator... Interrogator, I believe is the term. The we word I always forget. And I have brought in a mystery object. As always, one of us brings in a mystery object, the other person, the speculator... Which I just... Bullshit about it, really. <laughs> We're locked in a room. We don't have an internet. <laughs> no knowledge other than what's up here. Yep, that's it. We do it all in one take. It's really simple. And we've got a bunch of question cards to sort of spice things up, make them more exciting. Yeah, but hopefully we'll be able to chat shit about whatever comes up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Ready? So, today's object. Ready? Um, I'm going to get you to close your eyes, of as course. usual. Right? He's even holding his hands over his eyes, so I know he's definitely got them closed. Super, super true truth. And first of all, I'm going to get you to listen to it. What's that? Oh, no. Sounds like you're winding something round, like in this sort of manner. No, I'm not. Oh gosh, it sounds like there's something shaking inside. A... Oh. So that is a. Oh, it's a DVD case. Right. Open your eyes. What DVD is it? Because you can't guess that with your eyes closed. Up. The movie Up from Disney. Oh, I've got Pixar. it upside down, rather hilariously. Oh, so the wrong way. Up. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the wrong way down. It must have been down was the answer, wasn't it? Please yeah? don't. Please. Okay. Now. It's also got a U for its rating. Which is... Stands uh, for... Universally applicable. No, it stands for... Unguent. <laughs> this movie is the unguent of all people. Oh, unguent. That common day-to-day word that everyone uses. <laughs> oh. Oh. Is it interesting? Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, well, first of all, what do you think about the movie up? Uh, I thought it was far better than it had any right to be. Which is often the case for Pixar's output, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I, I when hearing about the concept, I was like, eh, it doesn't sound that great. But I sat down and watched it, and it was actually incredibly moving. And well, it has that famously moving opening five or ten minutes. Yeah, and the end, I think, is equally yeah. powerful, but I won't spoil it. Spoilers! Oh, my God, it's a spoiler! Hashtag. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, why? How come people like Pixar are so successful at making content that's ostensibly for children, but it is popular amongst pretty much everyone. It's an interesting question. Perhaps because, obviously, the obvious head aim, if I'm to use that, is they're aiming to... Obviously, in order to get children to like something, you're best off getting their parents to like it. Which is definitely the classic thing with kids' movies. But but there is something to be said, particularly about things like Pixar, where they're, they're not even trying to make it just for kids. They're really trying to make it for both. Are they trying to make it for, for humans? Yeah, I know? think that's interesting. And obviously making it open for kids by not having certain themes in, such as sex, swearing, certain levels sure. of violence, yeah. all this kind of nonsense, but yet making a movie that is enjoyable, it's full of stakes and tension and excitement. And, as you say, with this one, it's incredibly moving. The opening ten minutes where it's he loses his wife, it's incredible. Yeah, dealing with things like death. death which, which is something I always have great respect for uh, for TV shows for kids or, or movies for kids that do that. I think that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, it, it, and they do it very deftly. They make it seem very easy. Yeah, and it, it, too easy, perhaps, but... Actually, we're going to... Before we get to the question oh, yeah, deck I'm cards, excited. Because this also doubles up as, as an object in terms of it's a, it's a DVD. Yeah. So have we... Transcended the DVD? Have we, Thank you for asking the question. Have we transcended <laughs> the DVD? Or the, the physical disc media? Have we just transcended it's that? It's interesting because I think there's a kind of argument for not quite. 
And certainly when it comes to Blu-rays, Blu-rays are still very popular, right? I've I've never used a Blu-ray, I'll admit admit that, because I'm sure there's a real difference for those who want to view everything in 4K. There is. uh, And I like like fidelity. Yeah, absolutely. I I think if you're, especially if you're projecting on a big wall, if you've got a especially large television, or you love movies, I think that is something that you'd you'd probably want to do. But what I'll say about the, the solid form, it's kind of like the solid form of a book. Mm-hmm. Think about this. We've got Kindles, yeah. but the real book still exists and is extremely popular. Yeah. Popular as ever. Exactly. And I, I, I've got a feeling that there's something people like about owning the actual... Yeah, we all have Netflix. Or yeah, we all have Amazon Prime or Hulu, which is not accessible in the UK. No, but... But, <laughs> but um, we all have these services that get us most of the stuff we want most of the time for free or for a small payment cost, like iPlayer in the UK. BBC iPlayer, fantastic. You can get... It is superb. Yeah, just get all BBC content whenever you want it, which is exactly what we want. And some other content. Yeah, I absolutely. Think at the moment Sometimes they have, movies as well. They have Toy Story on there at the oh, moment. Oh, really? Yeah, they nice. often have old movies on there, I've noted. And I was, as I was telling you last night, they had, for a brief moment, Peter Jackson's They Shall Not Grow Old, the... Yeah, the, the the cleaning up of all that World War One footage, so... Uh, yeah. It's slightly jealous I've missed, but yeah. I, I, I'm going to get down to finding a copy of that, yeah, because... The, the Bieber great at offering fantastic content. So really. on that note, so we've got all this free, easy-to-access content, but yeah. there's something about... If I own it on DVD, mm-hmm. or Blu-ray, if you prefer, uh, then you have a physical copy and you know it's never going anywhere. Yeah, and there's now you mentioned there's something lovely about when they're all... Yeah. Sitting there on the shelf or next to each other, and you've got these colours yeah. and titles and logos and images. It really looks lovely. Yeah, and it's, it's there's something about it, like the classic, it's not quite the box set, but the box set is called that for a reason because it comes in a lovely box. Exactly. I, I, I really I, I, I love my Babylon 5 box set. It's there, it's got a big five on it. I'm like, that's it. it looks you guys, beautiful. you guys have quite a lot of box sets, a lot of sci fi boxes. Yeah, it's interesting. Right? We often buy them Farscape? after we've watched them as well. Buffy. Farscape, Buffy, Deadwood, The Wire. Oh, that's some hefty <laughs> box sets in there. Yeah. yeah. Jeez, oh. I remember were you and I, when we used to live together during and after uni in our big, big old awful house that and was that amazing. big old Victorian sort of uh, townhouse yes that was very studentified but we had if you remember the it wasn't a DVD shelf or case, bookcase it was VHS still back then ah oh, yeah and you often see pictures of this online you know we had the collection which everyone has you've got to have Leon Mm. Also called Leon the Professional, whatever. You gotta have things like Shawshank, Fight Club, Fight Club, absolutely the Matrix, Men in Black, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, or or Snatch. Yeah, or some guy Richie. Snatch is better, by the way. They're both fantastic, but Snatch is a better movie. Oh, speaking of which, Kaz mentioned, I think this is correct, that the live action Aladdin that's coming out was helmed by Guy Ritchie. Oh, which doesn't make me feel good because generally when when big studios grab Guy Ritchie and put him on something like King Arthur it doesn't turn out well yeah it's interesting because did he do great. The Man from Uncle is that my imagination yes which was it was just perfect but that was more perfect. of a passion project for him yeah yeah and I think Sherlock Holmes with, with Downey Jr. and Jude Law was also more of a passion project but it was kind of halfway between a big studio and of course thing and his... the Sherlock Holmes things are probably one of his most fun outings. Most fun accessible outings. Yeah, absolutely. Because the, the London gangster oeuvre with Lockstock, Snatch, uh, and was there another one of that? Oh, there's a few things like Revolver that I like and you don't. Can't stand right? Revolver. But uh, I like his shtick. I like his... I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think he's, he's very stylized. 
as a director. He's kind of a little bit Tarantino-esque. He, he's often been con- they're very, they're very hy- compared to a British Tarantino. Kind of, but it's not quite... It's a lot more fun, than, and, and, I, and I like a lot of Tarantino movies, but I think he's a lot more fun than Tarantino. And I think it's more reasonably formulaic, in a good way. Yeah. You know, Tarantino often throws formula out the window, mm. that's his shtick. But, you know, Guy Ritchie says, okay, there's a good story structure to be so, had, character arcs and so on. So let's... I, I like the topic of movies and where we're at, so... Yeah. Maybe bringing it back to something like Up, because it's mm-hmm. it's an animated movie, yeah. crucially. And animation today, particularly like Disney, Pixar, any of these, DreamWorks, any of these big ones, it's all this 3D animation, which takes it to a whole other level. What do you think the process is for getting a movie like this off the ground? Well, it can... How does it even function? Where, it can where differ does it wildly. Start? Where does it go? With Disney, Pixar, you've generally got uh, a stable of really intelligent story creators. I don't know if this is this one, but Brad Bird, mm. one of the big cheeses in terms of, of Disney mm. Pixar creativity. Let's see if his name is on here. Oh, it's not. So this is Bob Peterson and Pete Docter. So you've got, as far as I know, a lot of these creatives knocking around Disney Pixar. One of them says, I got an idea. And then they, they see what they can do with it. Brad Bird, now I think about it, I believe... Finding Nemo, Toy mm. Story, a bunch of those big ones were his. That makes sense. So, so you don't think it's somebody no, writes a script and then they option it and then they, they, no. they, they decide to do it? I think there is a more There's creative a concept, aspect. More like the Marvel movies, you yes. say, where it's a, it's a planned thing and they, get, they, they hire people to then write it. No, I, no I say even more creative than that. I think someone goes, I'd like to do X, Y, Z. Mm. To be honest, I think that's existed in Disney for a long time. There's a lot of interesting history behind... Uh, an era of films like the original Aladdin hmm. and um, Beauty and the Beast, and then latterly Treasure Planet. Oh, so Treasure the Planet. Two, actually, maybe it's these guys. Maybe it's Doctor and Peterson. Um, the two, the, these two guys at Disney, they had Treasure Planet in their minds. It's something they wanted to do. Have a sci-fi version of Treasure Island. Treasure Island, right? <laughs> and they went to Disney and said, "Can we do this?" And Disney said, mm, "When it's a bit of a shaky idea." How about you do this movie first, and then we'll see where we're at. So they would make movies. Was it like actually a- Disney? Or was it not DreamWorks? No, Dream. We'll come. We'll go come at DreamWorks. That's a whole different kettle of fish. Hmm. Um, so Disney said, "Okay, go go away and make X Y Z for us," and they did. And X Y Z became a big hit. And they went back and they said, "Can we make Treasure Planet?" And Disney said, "Go away and make us blah blah blah." And so they go away and they make blah blah blah, and that was a big hit. And eventually, they said, "Can we make Treasure Planet?" And Disney went. Okay, now you can make Treasure Planet, and then it, it, it bombs sadly. I actually think Treasure Planet was one of the we both like m- it enjoyable movie because it was just Treasure Island, but with some extra we both we, we like both of the, both of those oeuvres the, the, the Treasure Island and trope the, and the sci-fi trope. Yeah. together I think they work well. Space Pirates is a classic. I will say, by the way, so this is all this knowledge I have about this history. By the way, is taken from Lindsay Ellis who's an amazing commentator in terms of pop culture and, and knowledge. So if you want to know more about that, go look at Lindsay Ellis on YouTube. You might know her better as the nostalgia chick. She doesn't do that anymore, thankfully. She's moved way beyond that. Mm, yeah, There's sure. a lot of interesting history around that, for sure. So yeah. DreamWorks. First of all, can you name me any, any of the big DreamWorks movies? Uh, the Prince of Egypt's the one that strikes me the ah, most. I would have thought it was Disney, so it wasn't. Okay. Yeah, no, 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 no. Any you recent just, ones? Uh, uh, the only one that comes to my head is like the El Dorado that's that's not recent. But is that not recent? And oh, again, that was pretty oh, good. Uh, wait, was um, 
The one that's the Empress New Clothes. That's Disney as well, I believe. Oh, really? Empress New Groove. Empress New Groove. One of my favourites, love that. Because it's based on the story of the Empress New Clothes. That's Disney as well, I'm pretty sure. So, DreamWorks productions are generally, actually, in terms of the animation community and the animation audience, they're seen as a lower level than Disney Pixar. For some good reason, maybe not some good reason. They've definitely got their own feel. They do have their own feel. Back in the day when we were, you know, in our formative years, I think Ants... Oh, yeah. Ants and Bugs Life. One of them was Disney, one of them was... I'm pretty sure Bugs Life was DreamWorks. Dreamworks. I might be making that up. Kung Fu Panda, more recently, I believe, is DreamWorks. So they tend to do more mechanically accessible, shall we say. It, it, there's, there's more evidence more of a studio machine making yeah, sure... Yeah, and a straight-up, simple story. Exactly. So Disney <laughs> Pixar retains a certain creativity, mainly because of Pixar itself, before they were bought out by Disney, were very, very creative, very strong about their stories, and then after... And being I, it seems like a, very, a kind of small, close-knit team as well, which is sort of... It, that, that's is exactly it. It. So like I say, you have this stable yeah. of, of core people, and you take some of them and they go, I have I this idea. I can totally see that, because DreamWorks... As I say, I'm not, I can't remember a DreamWorks movie. I mean, and talking of just Disney in general, I mean, they own all entertainment, pretty much. These days they are signed. Name, name something they don't own. Oh, Netflix. But they're trying to kill Netflix so right I, now. I was looking on IMDb the other night. I often go on IMDb's list to get a mm. good inspiration for, for a movie to watch. And I clicked on, you know, movies by genre, mm. just an action. And it normally does it by kind of recent box office takings yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And the top 10, the top 15 were majority were Disney properties. That's there was insane. a bunch of Star Wars in there. There were the, the animated movies, the mm. Marvel movies. Of course. So uh, it, it, it's, but it's Disney. Who, who, who makes the... Well, we, we, we knew we'd end up coming to this eventually. <laughs> uh, who makes the, the DC movies? It's not Disney, obviously. So it is actually DC themselves, you know, DC films. Oh. If there's a bigger studio behind it, I don't know who it is. Ah... It may be Warner Brothers. Oh, that might make sense. I, I think Brothers, it might be. Right? I feel like I've seen Warner Brothers coming up before the, Man of Steel. Yeah, so certainly the Batman movies <laughs> are Warner Brothers, so maybe that, that gives credence to the idea that it is, it is, is possible. WB. Yeah. Well, okay. you guys failed. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> but you did. Really yes, badly. And, and you continue to fail. <laughs> Aquaman! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Suicide Squad. Um, okay, we'll go for our, our question off the deck. This is an interesting one for this, and you can take it at whatever angle you want. Okay. How would you make this? Okay, so how would I make this? Uh, first of all, I'd, I I think the biggest thing was to get somebody excited about it. If I wanted to make mm. a big movie, let's talk about it. Uh, I think both both are actually quite interesting questions. The physical... DVD. DVD, object, plus yeah. the... But let's go with the movie angle initially. So the movie, how would I go about making this? I think... I try and write a really good script. A good screenplay, yeah. It probably wouldn't be perfect by any means, but I think that would be the first thing to do. And then I'd shop it around to as many people yes. in Hollywood <laughs> as possible. I'd probably go to Hollywood and live there yeah. immediately. It would, putting it in front of people. And I just keep, keep putting it in front of people. If that one didn't work, I'd just keep throwing out new ones. And I'd probably come up with ten scripts for Pixar-like movies. Oh, I see. Right? If, I was, if that was my aim, was to make a sort of Pixar-style uh, 3D animated movie, then I'd really... Work it. I shop, I'd try and shop it out to all. I'd send it to all the people. I'd schmoo, try and find ways to schmooze with as many people I mean, as possible. Hollywood is half schmoozing, indeed. Well, as is any endeavor that involves the uh, net, the, the the working of people together, like convincing other people of to course, take on. It's incredibly sh- door shutty. I'm sure. Yeah. On people, but that that would be my immediate approach. Would I'd actually try and make the story 
and get someone excited about it who could actually okay, do, so the, let's do say the real work. A studio exec mm. reads your screenplay, meets yeah. with you, and goes, "Yeah, let's do this." What what next? What happens next? For me, uh, it, it well, it'd be interesting because would you encourage them then to take it away completely and make their own thing with it, yeah. or would you want a part in the process? So let's assume there's I've got a minor part in the process. Mm. So I think I'd hope that. At, at that point, obviously, you're going to probably get your hands on a director. They're going to try and find a director for it. And I think that would be the most important thing. Yes. Um, probably you're going to start thinking about get concept artists around. Yes, and storyboarding. Storyboarding to hell. And I, I, I mean, storyboarding is so much super fun to try and do, even if you're crap at drawing. It's, exactly. It doesn't matter how good what it is. Comes it's out. just a real, really fun way of uh, coming up with my, what might appear on screen. Now, just quickly before we get on to try and get on the manufacturing of a, of a, <laughs> yeah. of a DVD... Um, how if so? You mentioned right that there's a, there's a couple of options. Maybe you know they say we like this. Can we buy it off you and we'll go away and we'll make a thing with it? Yeah. Or you know you can be more involved in the process. So you you're a creator yourself. You like writing. You like making mm, stories. Sure. If so, you write a book. You're really proud of it. It's a, in your opinion, it's a great bit of beauty and truth and piece of art. Now arrogant too. Yeah. Whatever. That's, that's okay. <laughs> well, creating has a bit of that to it. <laughs> Obviously, a, a big success would be to then publish that and have people go, this guy, I like his stuff, he's got a written a good book. Mm, so, sure. if instead a big publisher says, I like this, I want to buy the rights to own this entirely. So, once I buy it from you, it's no longer yours, your name doesn't go on it, it's mine, and I get to sell it. I'll give you a whole bunch of money for it, but when this becomes famous... People don't see your name attached to it, they see my name attached to it. Would you sell out in that sense? Or would you sell the idea I think it's difficult. Of it really it? depends on the individual story. I think it depends on the money offered. To yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, that's the other side. Of course, the amount of money offered. Like but, 50 million for your but story. But it really I'd depends buy. what it... Really, I think it would depend what it was. And would it depend... And whether I'd... If I'd written it for the idea of just shopping it out, mm. I don't think I'd... But if you couldn't have any credit, then you couldn't use that on your CV then what's the point? Because well, I, I haven't even got any personal capital from that. Well, for me, it goes it goes into the more, I guess, the core of passion about something. So if you're so proud of it, would you be having to see it go to somebody else? Yeah, I mean, it, yes, in some ways. Because obviously if somebody options your script or your book for a movie mm. and they do whatever creatively with they want with it, I think that's fair enough. But the idea that you wouldn't even get mentioned on there and you couldn't write it anywhere that you'd ever done it, I read just the other day from that, 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 I think, defeats the object of doing it in the first place. On that note, Stephen King was paid $5,000 for the rights to The Shawshank Redemption, Ooh. which at the time, as a book, was called Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. Obviously, did it change the name from the movie. So they gave him a $5,000 check, which he never cashed. Instead, I think he framed it and sent it to the director, Frank Darabont, with a pithy message of, like, if you're ever in trouble, use this for bail money. I don't know if that's a reference or something more yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. about, but there's something wonderful about the idea that he didn't spend that money. You know, it wasn't important to him. It was maybe more of a, a milestone of success that he'd sold it in the first think, place. Well, yeah, and, yeah, and I guess five thousand pounds in the great grand scheme of things, pounds dollars, dollars isn't a lot. It would have been. I mean, it's, and it wasn't that long ago, so it wasn't still wasn't that long that much money. I mean, it's still a lot, a decent amount of money. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take, I I'll take no. the five grand, but 
<laughs> but in terms of legacy, he got to see his, that story become, you know, what is still considered to be one of the best, one films of ever. Often the best film in, in, at in least the one West. of the most accessible and good films that, that almost everyone can watch. Yeah. yeah, there's no no issue with that film. So let's come in our roundabout circle and tangent. Yeah, how the hell do you go about making well, a compact disc or DVD? Do you mind if I take this out? No, not at all. I will try not to smudge or get anything on it. Okay, you break it, you buy it. Oh, thanks. Very expensive. <laughs> so, uh, I'm assuming there's a layer of plastic, obviously, on the outside, and there's a thin layer of metal. Is there metal? I think it's like a film of yeah. metal. What's the shiny stuff? I'm pretty sure. And then, uh, isn't it... Uh, it shows how much I know. Yeah. Almost nothing. The, it's, it, it's a layer of... Because uh, I've, I've taken a... A CD apart before, not a DVD, oh, yeah, but a yeah, CD yeah. back in the day. I peeled it apart and it was just like a thin, oh, almost really, like really thin flakes. foil. Yeah. Um, so it felt like sort of flakes of foil. So in terms of making it, gosh, I think you're going to have to know a lot about how hardware works, yes. which I know absolutely bugger all about. But as, is it is it in the? How do they actually get the data into the structure of yes. the? Of, do you know where the data is on a disc? Like in terms of the actual physical disc, oh. where is the data? Can oh, you point to me? Point it, point to me. So it's not. It's actually right in this tiny bit mm. around the inside. Oh, rim. that's interesting. I, I, knew I don't know what the rest of it is. If it's just you know, it's well. Bulk. Like, as far as I was aware, that it start it starts in the middle and sort of rolls outwards. That's what I'd heard. Oh, no, but, it's not. It's right in the centre. No, that makes sense. Um, so zero- wait, wait, wait. When you when you burn a CD though, the color the color changes as you go towards it? the outside. You could see where it's been burnt. Where yeah, actually, burnt. well, that that may be a a sense of yes, yeah, some information is there, but the actual hmm. data itself. If you put a film on it, the film's around there. If you put documents on it, the documents are on there. That's there might true. be other stuff towards the outside rim. Yeah, okay. But I, I, as far as I and again, this yeah. is mere, spe- mere memory slash speculation. You're gonna need a fucking inside. good fact. You're not gonna be able to make this by hand very easily. Oh, I like that handmade artisan <laughs> bespoke CDs. Well, maybe DVDs. the hipsters will enjoy that. I'm sure. Just quickly, if if CD stands for compact disc, do you remember or know what DVD stands for? Ooh. Digital. Yes. Video disc. See, that's what I thought earlier. And my brain just remembered it a few seconds ago. Digital versatile disc. Of course. Yeah. Now we're going to have another question from the deck, which is asking. When did you first hear about this? You can take whatever angle you like. When I first heard about DVDs... As I said, any I, angle I remember like. that very clearly because when they first came out, I didn't have one, but my mate had a DVD player. Oh, yeah. So in lunches during school, we used to... And um, we were allowed, because we were at year 11 or sixth form, I don't remember, but you were allowed to sort of go into town and he lived right next to the school, you know, just over the road, effectively. Yeah. So we just went to his house and watched DVDs. And DVDs were like this magical idea and I remember The Matrix being one of the earliest movies I watched on DVD I was like oh, this is perfect for DVD because you can like see all the bullets moving and uh, yes. the crisp quality and- oh, it's so good quality but also I mean a big change wasn't just DVDs of course but, but the size and shape of TVs yeah you know we grew up watching things on, on VHS's which were fun on square TVs then. where a movie like Up filmed in widescreen something like 2.35 to 1 ratio you know it's a nice Long, wide rectangle. The same shot as the field of vision. Yeah, and what we saw was a little square of that in the middle. So for our childhood, we never saw movies properly unless we went to the cinema. So I guess when DVDs came along, it was a case of, wow, like you said, it's sharp, it's crisp, and you're actually seeing the whole thing. But a lot of movies uh, pan and scan, a lot of TVs still pan pan and scanned. Yeah, which is the worst. It looks terrible and really zoomed in. And of course... Well, like I mentioned to you before... Don't see the full shot. In America... 
you watch TV in America, you will see, I guarantee you will see TV commercials in four by three square ratio. And they weren't shot years ago and they're still being used. They're shot recently in four by three. But something that really frustrates me on a similar note to that is when shows, particularly old ones, are on four by three, but people have modern widescreen televisions, they just let it stretch. Oh, stretching is terrible. Oh, it looks awful. Although some shows have the benefit of, although they were formatted and broadcast for 4x3, they actually were shot in 16x9. Friends is a good example of this. You can now, when you watch Friends on TV, it fills the screen, it's not stretched, and you're seeing what people in the 90s wouldn't have seen, stuff around the edges. So you get that little extra bit of Friends that you never got before. But luckily... They, you know, it's not like they allowed for it, but there was nothing mm. in shot that was that shouldn't have been there. That makes sense. I did hear recently, however, a a Buffy uh, re edition. Uh, you mean uh, what do you call it? The digital remaster. Remastering, yes. And they had theirs in six thousand nine because they had things outside the normal field of view. Unfortunately, they didn't account for that when they shot Buffy. So you see crew members and equipment in the size of the frame that they obviously thought no one was ever going to see because they shot it in 4x3. Is that all the way through or is it just in a few shots? shots? That's interesting. It's enough of the way through to be utterly unknowable (sighs) about why they did it. That's so That's Apparently the hardcore Buffy community just reacted very badly which is understandable because you're you're actually doing it in disservice. You might yeah. as well keep it 4x3 and let people see what, what you were meant to see. It's Buffy, it's... <laughs> it's fine, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Good enough that it doesn't really matter what shape you're seeing it in because you're enjoying the content. And it kind of, if you're remastering it, you make sure those bits aren't in it. As simple yeah. as that. You just get over the fact that you do... Yeah, knowing they're there, why release it with that? That's yeah, shocking. Yeah, and at least, or you just release it and you have a director's cut where you talk about it or whatever, or a, yeah, that's or okay. a director's yeah. commentary... Where they where they deal with that fact, or you, you do release a special version where you say, "Look, we've sixteen by nine it, but there's some artifacts of our of our production in it. But if you want to buy yeah, it, but they they remaster it as like a, a this is the best because Buffy is one of the, the the TV series of our childhood. I would say yes, our formative years, yeah, from childhood. Yeah, 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 yeah. The sort of teenage to early adulthood. Yeah, which is perfect because it deals with that <sighs> that weird time of your life. It so was so perfectly. so much fun. So 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 stupid. So yeah, it's perfect for the time. I yeah, think. it's weird to think. Of Joss Whedon's journey yeah. from there, which was kind of a cult success, to now where you know Disney relies on him to to make their sh- their stuff, you know their shtick. You know, <laughs> you say shit. Well, you know, you know, I love shit and shtick. He actually wrote, he, or he he had a lot of contribution to the Toy Story script. That doesn't surprise me because of the, the dialogue for sure is very. Snappy, and that's definitely his skill, for sure. It's snappy yeah. dialogue. Snappy dialogue. But it's more grounded in Toy Story, which makes it a lot more palatable than some of his stuff, where it's just so quippy it's, that you don't it, get any sense of a, of a Particularly, uh, uh, was it Age of Ultron, was it just just a few quips and uh, and some boring fights. Exactly. So they were really, didn't really match together in other, any Exactly way. that, so, yeah. At least for me. That was the worst, I would say, of all those movies. Yeah, it, oh, yeah easily. Okay, so we'll have another question from the deck. Should this be illegal, is the question. Should this be illegal? I mean, emphatically no. Why? Because movies bring happiness and nothing but happiness. And, and enjoyment and spending time with friends, spending time with family, Leisure. going to the movies. Whether it's the DVD, which is a nice, handy, useful thing. Now, the only reason I could seek to make it illegal if there was some kind of resources problem or you're trying mm. to prevent pollution or littering of DVD boxes or whatever, 
because obviously and the production might cure us a lot of pollution so maybe we should yes. have it all digital that's the only argument I could ever see to even come close but even then making it illegal seems like a harsh move and, and making movies like this themselves illegal oh, which only exist in an incredibly authoritarian environment which unfortunately well, does exist in some they do, they do exist where yeah, places where music is banned places yeah. where movies of any kind are banned and there are people who, and there are certainly people who ban their kids from watching movies at all or watching anything. Yeah. And also there's banning television, which or restricting television like we both had as children a lot. Yes. Restriction yes. on movies and television, but which to some extent was good. Well, actually, the, the restriction for, for, for me and my brother, from my mum, was on the, the amount of viewing time mm. and the time of the day same. when it was viewed. But as, I, as I've said to you before... In terms of the actual content itself, my mum didn't really care what we watched. You know, if it was an 18 movie, 18 rated movie when we were, you know, 15 years old, it didn't matter. That's interesting because I think that my parents were a little reticent about that kind of thing to begin with. Begin but, with. But it, I think, I, uh, I, I don't think they cared about the, the topics I was watching. Yeah, it's just a movie. There's only so much harm a movie can do, really. No, no. You can still be, turn into a well-adjusted person. Yeah, and the argument that... Um, you know, a, a violent movie will make your kids violent. Well, no, you haven't, you haven't made your kids properly then. Uh, and the same is with the computer game argument. It's, oh, it's, uh, it's so... If, if anything, uh, I think there was, uh, there was actually scientific studies proving that uh, the, the advent of uh, the computer game as being a big thing, the violent mm. computer game, has actually shown a... maybe not a full correlation or a causative correlation, but a yeah. correlation between the time people started playing video games a lot mm-hmm. to a massive reduction in... Uh, violence from, mm. from uh, probably young men on the streets, I sure. imagine, that kind of thing. Well, because they're all inside blank <laughs> video games, games yes. killing people virtually. They'll be having a little schmoke, you know, relaxing, you <laughs> yeah, know, sure, yeah. not being harmful to anyone. Uh, I mean, maybe, be, maybe ruining their own lives in some ways, depending on how much sure. you do that. But I mean, you and I have played, have played and still play a lot of violent video games. And I can safely say that neither you and I have any compulsion or, or desire or any actual evidence of us ever being violent, really. No, not really. Well, well maybe the, a little. You know, you, we like to punish each other sometimes. <laughs> but we don't visit our violence on other people. Exactly. And you only do uh, play fighting. Though, I'd argue on that account that should you ban play fighting between children? Probably not. Yeah. Because they learn... And I, they learn how hard a punch can be. Because if you're never violent as a kid, if you're not allowed to touch another kid... Sorry, you just use violent as a verb, if you're never violent... Yes. You mean if you are never, if you were never violent, if, if you were never allowed to, you know, play fight Exercise as a kid, those, ex- yeah. because then, then you don't know this punch is too hard or this punch is too soft. You don't know punch is uh, okay with or, friends. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. You don't know whether this headlock is going to be painful. Yeah. And so then, when you do get into a violent situation, you overblow it and you don't know how to control your anger. So, did you used to give each other dead arms and dead legs at school? All sorts. Yeah. Did uh, you have a special technique? We used to like put put the, the two. Forefinger knuckles out and then punch someone in the arm or leg. So it really you ever a, do, a small spot. Do you ever do blood sport? No. Which is where you get a coin, Compass? a oh, coin, coin, and you just hit each other's knuckles with it. Oh, we did used to do. Well, you know the game slaps. Yeah, of course. Where yeah. you slap each other's hands. We used to do f- knuckles or fists where you do it hitting down with the knuckles yeah, on the yeah, fist. Yeah. That was horrendous. Oh, conkers is a little bit of that. Oh, and tell. Yeah. Foreign audiences about conkers in the UK. What is conkers? So conkers, uh, it's a very very simple idea. You get a conker, which is essentially what we call horse chestnut. So it's like a big inedible chestnut, hard nut. It gets from a hard, tree. really really hard. And so the idea is you drill a hole in it, yeah, and you feed a piece of string in with a knot. Yeah. Usually at the end, though, you have to be really careful making sure the knot that part's actually hard and is the most dangerous part because you might break it. And the idea here is you you hold it as thus. The other person hangs theirs. 
Like yeah, and you kind of hold yours up over your forearm. Yeah, and you flick it, and you try and hit the other. And the idea is you continually hit it. Hit, take it turns take to it hit to, each other's conkers until one is smashed. Exactly, and obviously, if yours is smashed, you lose. Whether it smashes when you hit down... Because sometimes the the attacker actually there's breaks as Instead well. Instead of yours, yeah. It doesn't really matter. Whoever's breaks first is the loser. Loser, yeah. Very simple game. There are lots of ways to cheat at conquers. Like uh, hardening them with vinegar, I believe, is one. Which, as far as I can tell, is bollocks. I tried them all. Oh, right. Uh, I tried shoe polish, which is actually pretty successful. Oh. Uh, as far as I could tell, I, uh, I sprayed shh. Because it gave it sort of a plastic coating. <laughs> um, like I, a resin. I, 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 I soaked in, um, and this was fairly successful, but... I soaked it in, uh, you know, like paper mache, you make water and PVA glue. Yeah. And it's sort of solution of that. I soaked it in that and then let it dry for a long time. So that was quite successful, but I also just did it legit. But the whole point is to cheat, by the way, if you can. Uh, the point is to win. Doesn't matter how you yeah, get there, exactly. but you win. But it's actually really controversial these days. I don't even know whether kids might not be allowed to play Conkers as much anymore. Well, there were a few news reports about it years ago about... Oh, it getting in people's eyes. Yeah, yeah. and the, the schools are either banning it or making kids wear, wear protective goggles. But I think a lot of that was <laughs> bullshit. It's the same stuff you get every year around Christmas when the media says, oh, such and such a, an institution or organisational community has banned Christmas. It's always bollocks. Sure? Yeah. It never actually happens. And I think Conkers is probably yeah, that's interesting. still played. I, I hope so, because yeah. it's a fun game and it's it's so easy. To, as long as you have a, chest, a, a chestnut tree nearby. Yeah. Sorry, uh, it's not a conker tree. Yeah, co- yeah, horse chestnut. Yeah, but what is the name of the tree? It's a very big... It's a math. Yeah, we had some big ones at our school when yeah. we were kids and so you, you spend a lot of time picking out... Sometimes big ones are good. Sometimes actually bigger is not better because mm. you need a good density. Well, it's not about... Yeah, it's not about... It's, it's, Big big ones are often a little bit unstable and they fall apart quite easily. Uh, we, we always said because it was because obviously I lived I lived in a, a village in 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 the English countryside. Sure, it was just all the way along the whole streets filling oh. there. Just every, there was one in the back of the school. There was one on my way to school. There was one down the road. This other. So you just had and you had to sort of pick which was the best tree and. Oh, I see awesome. when. There's when a lot of choice. When I was again. living in Amsterdam, I saw a few of those trees and 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 you know in the autumn you'd see. Because the they're, they're, congas themselves are contained inside those big spiky yeah. shells, which are very satisfying to break apart. And I see them on the ground, and I saw big congas, and that part of my brain from childhood just says, "Look for the good ones and pick them up." And then my adult brain says, "We we don't play congas anymore. We don't need congas." But part of me really wanted to get the best congas, and it still saw them as a as a prize to be had. Yeah. Okay. Nice. We're going to have one final question. Question. Oh, it's one of our old favourites. Uh, Maybe you can guess what it's going to be. Should I put it in my mouth? <laughs> yes. <laughs> should you? Or should you really? You're the... I guess it is. Should I put this in my mouth? Yeah. The the DVD case itself is dusty as fuck. It's been sitting on our shelf for a while. I I, I would damage the DVD itself to put it in your. Well, it depends how you do it. If I just lock my lips softly around it. Mwah. It probably won't do anything. So you give it a sort of kiss. If I put my teeth on it, it will make it shitty. It's surprisingly unscratched. Yeah. You know, it's normally, yeah, they are. once DVDs spend enough time in your in your presence... Well, I, I, I remember the way you used to keep DVDs. I, uh, Which is in a big stack on top of each other. They'd I, all I, scrape I, and grind. I, I was yeah. never a fan of it, I'll admit. You know, weirdly, though, because of that uh, kind of light element and light's meant to pass through it very easily, if you do have a stack of DVDs or CDs... And you look at it side on through mm. the cross section, you Quick actually off. see through it. It's pretty, pretty. That's believable. See yeah. through. It's, it's, it's a bit weird as a, as a solid object. But I remember you get quite a lot of those with those stacks of burnable C- when burnable CDs were a thing. <laughs> there was actually people. We mentioned uh, the youth not understanding things in previous mm. podcast episodes. There was something recently about someone on Twitter saying, "Like I, I'm quite serious, 
how how did you burn CDs? How did that work? How did you put music onto this round disky thing? And um, obviously the reaction was, oh, oh, you're so young and sweet, and we're so old. We used a blowtorch. Yeah, literally <sighs> had to burn them. I think one of the replies was exactly that—a very subtle <laughs> reply about using fire. Put it on the fire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. If you've seen CDs mm. reacting to heat, it's it's not pretty. Well, it is pretty, but it's not good for you. Oh, I, I've done it many times. I've broken CDs. Just it's a pleasurable thing to do. Oh, breaking them is a good way oh, of getting shards in your face. Oh, but no, and smashing them in general is a, is a fun. And that's something I did, I think, many years ago when I moved house. When I was just. Why do I need these stacks of old I, I still have CDs. a lot of mine. I, I just chucked them all away, and, and I felt so hard, much better. It's so from, hard to get rid of them. I just got rid of all, all of them. Uh, and there's maybe one or two. I've got one book. Yeah, like a, a, a CD book. Which I've, I've chucked book. away all CD yeah. cases for all music and everything I've ever owned, all the boxes, because I never use them. Uh, so you, I just sort of, I kept the actual CD for nostalgic value. Oh, okay. Do you remember the, the mini CDs? Not many discs, but mini CDs. <laughs> yes, I do. Because uh, the GameCube kind of had... I was going to say, some DVD. games came on them. Some dem- some game demos came yeah, on them. Yeah, and wasn't it... Didn't they try to do a like, LP-style thing on them, and, or singles like that? Oh, that makes sense, I'm pretty sense, sure I had yeah. a single that was that small. That really makes sense. No, what, what single? I can't remember what it there was. There were a few um, sci-fi might, movies of the 90s that... They, it might have been Eminem, who I bought a, a oh, little CD interesting. of. interesting. Because I, I didn't buy many singles. I think no, that I might didn't. have been the only single I bought. In fact, the only single I ever bought was... Um, Buck Rogers by <laughs> I can't remember what they were called, but it was um, it was that song where he goes uh, drink cider from a lemon lemon lemon. Okay, it's quite, quite, remember quite, that. quite heavy yeah. actually. The rest of their stuff was Feeder was the band. Oh, Feeder, yeah, no, I know that. Yeah, I know Buck Rogers like, like Blur, who had song two. It was like the only crunchy heavy there was song. A couple the rest of, of good Blur quite... songs, but mostly song two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah song two, which is down 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 meow meow woo. <laughs> the who is you, one of the yeah, best. You hear it on moments. soundtracks, uh, fight nights, you mm. know, walk-ons for fighters. It it is a it's a cracking tune. No, it's one of the best for sure, and it's one I remember from my childhood very fondly. That along with obviously Castles in the Sky. I'm just trying to think of other good ones from that era. There was we we heard we listened to a couple the other day. Um, Cold as ice. Cold as ice. Willing to sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, it's a good sample with a good heavy yeah, hip hop yeah. beats. Yeah. Well, well, we could we could nostalgify for forever on that one. I'm sure we'll get back to that on future episodes. But for now, mm. I think ending on music is a good way because it relates to our yeah, so like a entertainment. Yeah. Sure, I can't remember the soundtrack about, but I'm sure it's a classical kind of score, which is very it might not fitting. be. He's probably got some funky tracks in there I as well. I don't think so because that, that can really date songs, that date, date movies when you put on mm. song hits of the time. Yeah, like when good. you watch, it's um, a good point. Oh, oh, during during Halloween, of course, we watched one of the Adams Family movies. Oh no, which are great movies, but they end with the like, third one's not great. And really nineties <laughs> sounding beats and hip hop. Oh, absolutely awful. It just dates. There was it. that age of just having hip hop at, at the end of, of kids really, movies. Really, yeah, really, really not good hip hop as well. Or really, the, the worst is when it's a Ballad. I was about to end. say, and it usually just, R&B or something. completely like ruins the, yes. the the tone and everything of the movie. Totally ill-fitting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. So, pleasure as always. Thank uh, you. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Pleasure as always. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening or watching whatever yeah. you're doing. Yeah. And I hope. Do you like this movie? Do you like other movies? Do, do you, you like movies in general? And do you still own DVDs? Do you have a DVD case like a book bookshelf? Yeah. Of, is of that something DVDs? you use? Yeah. Do you think Do you think it's important? What about Blu-rays? Do you think anyone who uses Ooh. DVDs is a little old hat and should move on to Blu-ray? Yeah, do you guys use Blu-rays? That's interesting because we don't at all, but they are big yeah, for sure. Yeah, obviously you, you want that extra crisp, crisp quality of sound and visual. And there's a little quiz for you guys. 
Without looking it up, just like we don't look up things here, <laughs> do you know what the first released DVD Western film was at all? Because our friend TJ told us that the other day, if you remember, he quizzed us on that. I'll remind you after the episode is over, oh, so I won't give good, anything yeah. away to the audience. <laughs> um, but we'll see you next time next for another time. episode of the Speculation Station Podcast. 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 We'll see you next time for another episode of the Weculation Bation Godcast. Where we'll take a look at another blistery blobject. And it'll be a lot of fun. Goodbye. Until then, <laughs> goodbye. Speculation Station. <laughs>